0: One of the games I love to play with groups of people is a game called Sardines, which is the opposite of Hide and Go Seek. In Hide and Go Seek, everyone hides and one person goes and they try to find why the people who are hiding return to the home base. Well, this is the opposite game. In this, one person hides and everyone looks for that one person. And when you find that person, you hide with them. It's a a really fun game to do with groups of people. In fact, I just thought, so you could understand it better today, we're going to meet in the lobby in three minutes, and okay, no, we're not going to do that. Some of you just thought, awesome, this is going to be the best sermon of the year. It's great for building trust, it's for building teamwork, for building an appropriate amount of intimacy when eight to 10 to 20 people hide out together. And then I'm just demented enough to really enjoy the part where a dozen of us, 20 of us are hiding together. That one person doesn't see the group. And right as they approach, I silently give the one, two, three cheer. And we scream at the same time and scare that person like no one has ever seen before. So that, that's the part that I like. Yeah, I guess I'm a little sick with that. We, we The Bible talks about certain metaphors that help us understand our relationship with God better and this is what Psalm 31 does it's not unlike the song Abby sang at the end of worship it's a song called Pieces that a lady named Amanda Cook wrote and when I first heard the song I was kind of both drawn to it and then kind of questioned it it's like this 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 is a powerful song but should it be used in worship and and I realized that it, it helps us relate uh, to our world, to the God in the transcendent world. And that's what a lot of the language in Scripture does. Helps us understand the greatness and vastness of who God is. So from the Scripture today, I want to sh- bring up four questions that will help form your life and form your faith. Here's the first question. The first question is this, who do you hide with? Who do you hide with? That that question made me think of the game sardines and how fun that is. How it is true that we all have certain people we hide with. You're like, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the people that we retreat with. When we're at our vulnerable moments, when we let down our guard, who do we allow in the inner circle of our life? That, that question, who do you hide with, has great determination on relational health in your life. A lot of us have not really been intentional about that. We, we've not thought about who are the people that are in my life when I'm discouraged? Who are the people who are in my life when I'm choosing to retreat, I'm choosing to be alone? Those people greatly impact us and form us and form who we are. Jesus showed this example himself. Jesus had lots of followers, but he had 72 unique followers. He had 12 that he chose. And even among the 12, he had three. And even among the three, he had one. This idea of these concentric circles of friends that the closer to the center, they have more impact, they have more influence. And that's how how it is with us too. And a lot of times we're not thoughtful of that. We allow people in places in our lives where they they shouldn't be. And when that happens, when that happens, it begins to damage us spiritually. And I want to suggest to you that the ultimate center has to be Christ. Because if Jesus isn't the ultimate center, then you don't have a magnet in which to draw the right people into your life. And I'm not talking about us, you know, having these exclusive cliques where it's like, us four no more. We need to have an openness, a sense that there's always a seat open at the table. But simultaneously, we also realize human dynamics that at times, uh, who we hide with determines who we are. And if we're not hiding with Jesus, if we don't have a central relationship with Jesus, there's nothing to draw the right people to us. Look at what verse 1 said again. Verse 1 said this. Lord, I seek refuge in you. Let me never be disgraced. Have you ever had someone close to you who just has embarrassed you or disgraced you or you thought you were in the inner circle and then you discovered you weren't? There is great safety in our relationship with Jesus. There's great safety. I'm so proud of my relationship with my mom. I'm so proud of my relationship with my mother-in-law. I'm so proud of my relationship with my wife, not in a negative sense, but in a sense that I could freely talk to you about these ladies in my life because they're all special and significant and I have healthy relationships with them. But they would be the first to agree that every significant person in our life will let us down to some degree. Why? Because that person's not God. That person's not perfect. It's impossible for, every, for another human being to touch the deepest part of our soul. And relational health calls us to hide with the right people. And the ultimate person to hide with is our relationship with Jesus. Moms are great hiding places, aren't they? When there's a healthy relationship with our mom, they are a great person to confide in. They're a great person to talk things out with. They're, it's always interesting to me when I see adults in their home settings that sometimes they, we revert back to how we we act as kids. I'm the baby in my family. And we had a, a friend who hung out with my nuclear family. My, my dad is deceased now, but all of us just recently. And they said, we've never seen Pastor Aaron in the role of the baby in the family. But yes, we go right back to those rules. And so i thinking about the comfort we get from our moms. And I had a memory as I was getting ready for the sermon. I remember that after, after a church service one day, going to the lobby of our church. And you can imagine, you know, all of the energy in a lobby. And I wanted to see my mom. And she had this long, beautiful, flowing skirt. And I wasn't very high, so I saw her and I ran. And I just grabbed her knee and hugged her knee just as tight as I could. So glad to see my mom after that two-hour separation. (laughs) What a feeling of fulfillment, a feeling of peace, a feeling of safety. Until I looked up and realized, it wasn't my mom. It was another lady in the church. (laughs) And then I was completely horrified. You're laughing because it happened to you when you were a kid too, didn't it? We all had that time. We're all having that memory now of when we thought we went to mom, but it was someone, someone else. We have to be careful that our temporal hiding places don't become the crutches in which we lean on. Because every relationship besides our eternal relationships will come to an end. Every relationship in this life will come to an end because of the reality of death, and so we're thinking today. I'm thinking of my grandmothers. Oh man, I had two great, grand, two wonderful grandmothers. You're thinking of a mom, a mother figure, a grand, an aunt, a grandmother that you're missing today, no doubt. Through Jesus, we will see them again. But my problem is not that. My problem is when we have an over-dependency on moms. This, this is a problem. See, at the age of four, we're supposed to be dependent upon our moms. They feed us. They clothe us. They tell us where to go. They tell us what to do. How many of you know that's a good thing to receive that nurturing? Right? That's great at the age of four. At the age of 44, it's not so great anymore. All right? Mama's boys are great until we get to about adolescence. And some of us need to quit being such mama's boys. Because the true way we honor our moms is by becoming men and women of God. Men and women of independence. Men and women who have leadership skills. And this perpetual dependence upon our mom cannot be a sign of the health that maybe God has for us. I know there's exceptions to those, but I'm talking about the normal expression of what happens. We have to be really careful not to have the incorrect hiding place, not to have the wrong hiding place, not to have a hiding place that will someday set us up for disappointment. That's why you have to remember something that, especially as I think about our high school graduates, college graduates, that once you leave home, the old saying says you can never go home again. There's a lot of truth to that. Whenever you leave a church leave a home, leave a city, and you begin to have nostalgia about returning to that place, you watch it. I've seen it happen over and over again, and it's happened to me. You return to the same physical place, but you don't return to the same place. Life is always, always changing. You can never return to the way things were because life is always changing. And so your hiding place can't be another person. Your hiding place can't be another place. Your hiding place can't be, oh, if I can just get to Disney World. Oh, if I could just get to Chicago. If I can just get to New York City. Okay, that's a little too close to home right now because um, I just get back from there. If I could just get to my special place, if I can get to Uncle John's farm, I will just feel so at home again. That cannot be your hiding place. God may use those places, but he has to be your hiding place. You know, temporary loneliness sometimes can be a positive thing in our life if it causes us to be dependent on the Lord. I remember before I was married, I had two intense periods of loneliness in my early adolescence. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was hard. I, I, I left my charmed childhood and I was learning how to become a, an independent person and there was, there was, there was some loneliness to that but the loneliness made me depend upon the Lord and caused me to to be the person he wants me to be. I've been in the ministry now for twenty-two years. I know that comes as a shock to those of you who think I look like I'm 30. <laughs> I started at age nineteen as a children's pastor at Paola Assembly of God in Paola, Kansas. It's the first time I get called Pastor Aaron. I had no business being called Pastor Aaron. I wasn't qualified, wasn't experienced. But that church, Pastor Andy Visconti, he, he put his faith in me. And Pastor Jason Edwards, who was my direct oversight, they called me into the ministry. And those kids and their families, um, they, they, they honored me and maybe called that which was not as if it was and propelled, propelled my ministry forward. One of th- One of the things about the ministry that we learned at the beginning is is the high need for confidentiality and I had a hard time at the beginning holding all that information as a single pastor and I, I, at that point in my life i wasn 't necessarily a person who was who was used to holding confidential information and, and early on I had a couple of missteps that. It didn't really cause problems. It didn't cause any big disruption, but it was embarrassing to me and it was disappointing. Uh, my heart just didn't have the capacity to handle this information. And learning confidentiality is much like learning to run long distances. You have to grow our, our building of muscles. You have to strengthen your muscles. And so your heart has to build the capacity to hold more and more. And so the Lord has helped me in these last 22 years to where now I'm told so many confidential things, I can't remember what's confidential and what's not. So I just treat everything as confidential. My wife, Beth, I I will tell her anything, and she's maybe the most trustworthy person I know. But I often don't tell her everything simply because of pragmatic reasons. Um, sometimes because we don't have time to cover all the information. And sometimes it's simply because... Uh, it just just isn't appropriate at the time. And then people assume she knows everything. So people come up to Beth and they're like, hey, you know that thing? You know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. She's going, she's shaking her head no, saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. So we, we have to compare stories then. But I, I bring all of this up because I wanted you to understand the nature of confidentiality because I want you to grow in in that. But I, I also want to tell you one of the things that has helped me is my confidentiality with God. There are things that I tell the Lord now, and there's things between me and God that has helped me grow that's just for me and Him. I bet you're curious to know what those are, aren't you? I I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, if I told you what... There's something right now there's a secret me and God have that I have with God. If I told you what it is, you'd be really disappointed because it's nothing spectacular and it's nothing that is embarrassing and there's nothing that I couldn't tell you. But there's something that the Lord wants between me and him right now. And it's good for the soul. So it leads me to that second question. Who do you confide in? I hope you confide in your spouse. That's important that we do that. If you're not confiding in your spouse, but confiding in someone else, then that's a problem. And there needs to be correction there. But there's also a God who listens to us. Do you understand that? Look at what verse 2 says. Listen closely to me. Listen closely to me. Rescue me quickly. Be a rock of refuge for me, a mountain fortress to save me. Listen to me, God. And he does listen. One of the most powerful aspects of God that we have is a God who pays attention to us, a God who listens to us. And, and yes, we have our prayer list. I'm going to preach on prayer quite a bit this summer. I, I want us to grow in prayer. And there's all types of ways to categorize prayer. But what I'm talking about is sometimes just pouring your soul out to God. Just letting God be your confidant. Letting God be that person that you can trust. Before I was married, I, I was dealing with the issue in my life, and to tell you the truth, I can't remember exactly what the issue was, but I knew that at the time it was so important to me and there was another youth pastor that I felt like he was a person I needed to share this burden with. Our youth groups met at a water park and we did all the stuff we're supposed to do with kids at a water park and organized them and so forth. And at one point in the day, it was just he and I kind of hanging out and it was time for me to share my heart or share whatever was on my heart at that time. So I began to tell him very important information to me. And I couldn't tell how he was responding because he was wearing these aviator sunglasses with mirrors on them. I would say, do you remember those? But I know some of you have those right now. But (laughs) you remember that they're, they're, they're sunglasses in which you can see your reflection, but you can't see the eyes of the person speaking? So I'm sharing my heart with this guy. And I'm wondering, is he in tears right now? Is he looking Intently? into the problem you know that the eyes are the windows of the soul but I don't know because all I can see is myself reflected in his sunglasses so I get done sharing with him and I wait for his wise response and he stands up and says hey man I'm gonna go get some nachos and he took off to the food shack and I remember sitting there thinking well that didn't go like I thought but I thought, you know what? I have you, Lord. I have you to confide in. And I can just tell you what's going on in my heart right now. And here I was in this huge uh, water park, all these people, and it was a, it was a moment of loneliness because sometimes we, we are very lonely in a crowd of people. And I was able to share my heart with God. And I tell you that story Because I want you to know you're not alone. Sometimes we project expectations on other relationships that end up putting a burden on that relationship. So we think, oh, if if my friend, if I could just get time, a coffee with my friend, I could share that with them. Or we, we imagine on my drive home from work, my wife and children will be waiting for me to tell them my deepest need today. Or More likely, we don't. We don't take the social cues and the leadership of the Holy Spirit to truly listen, to truly be there for someone else. All of that's mixed in to know that God fills in the gaps. He's the starting point. He is the one that we can really count on. He's the one that leads us. And I want to remind you of this. Someone is leading you. Someone is leading you right now. You might say, hey, no, I'm leading myself. I'm on my own. Whether you acknowledge it or not, someone is leading you right now. So this leads to the third question. Who leads you? Who leads you? Verse 3 says, For you are my rock and my fortress. You lead and guide me because of your name. You can either choose your leader, our leader will choose you. I want to say that again. You can either choose your leader, our leader chooses you, but everyone is being led by someone else. So who's leading you? Who has your ear? Some of us are being led by the opinion of someone else and we don't even realize that person is our leader. Sometimes that happens with our kids. We're so... We so are desiring the approval of our children that their opinion begins to lead us. And then instead of the parent leading the child, the child leads the parent. Because we're paranoid that if they don't like us, then we don't get their approval. But we, we must be the leader. We must be the leader in that relationship. Sometimes we're, we're led by voices of entertainment. Just because someone sings good Just because someone can put on a great concert, just because someone can throw a football or dunk a basketball, doesn't mean that their opinion should matter in your life. But wrongly, we are seduced by the the culture of celebrity, and we don't even realize that we are letting someone else lead us with their opinions because we're not forming our opinions on our own and we're not being led by divine guidance. We purchase thoughts. Do you understand that? We choose what thoughts enter our mind. And that leads me to social media our Facebook. And I want to say this, just because someone is noisy on Facebook doesn't mean they are smart. Some of us were just like, oh, let me get my phone. Good morning. I don't get to sleep out of my eyes yet, but I'm going to read the timeline to see what the the, the, the guy I went to junior high Um, Spanish with is saying about the issues of the day. And then we think that access points, these access points represent all of society. Uh, Listen, all of those those voices we don't critically evaluate before we know it, we're being led by someone we would never choose to lead us. I'm saying, you choose who leads you. Choose to be led by the one who will never let you down. You are my rock, verse 3 says. You lead and guide me because of your name. This brings me to my last question. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? I'm going to invite our ushers to begin to position themselves. Verse 4 and 5. You will free me from the net that is secretly set for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hands... I entrust my spirit. You redeem me, Lord, God of truth. Who do you trust? Who do you trust that's going to finish this story right? Who do you trust who's going to be there in the end? Who do you trust to be dependable when your kids let you down, when your spouse lets you down, when your parent lets you down, when your pastor lets you down? when your church lets you down. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? Because every human being we're in community with will let us down. And we must watch carefully not to move into idolatry where we idolize voices in our life that are not the voice of the Lord. Can I tell you that we have leadership. Leadership is found through the Scripture. The Scripture that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. That was chosen by our church fathers. Affirm. There's an anointing on this book. There's authority on this Scripture. When we digest the Scripture and we let our daily devotions and we let sermons we hear at our church and we let discussions in our scripture form us then we are equipped to rightly discern all of the other voices of culture we can say this is of god this is not of god this is of the word this is not of the word we're not then just like infants that are just being tossed about in the sea every wave every trend every new fad oh we're just going everywhere and everywhere no we are we are anchored in scripture anchored in the word of the lord anchored in the word of God this is what Jesus said our gospel reading today is from John 14 he said do not let your hearts be troubled what you see it on the screen your heart must not be troubled that's what Jesus says how can our hearts not be troubled my heart is troubled about the seven year war in Syria My heart's troubled about our troops who are still in Afghanistan with no clear pathway home. My my heart's troubled over an eight-year-old boy who was bullied this week and then chose suicide. That's troubling. My, My heart is troubled about the spiritual condition and the morality of the teenagers of this county. And we have to wake up. If we just think we have good kids because we have good schools, we're deceiving ourselves. There is a great moral depravity right here in Sumner County. And my heart is troubled about that. But Jesus says, your heart must not be troubled. So why is my heart not troubled by those things? Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Jesus is preparing a place for us. The kingdom of God is among us. And this is not just about escapism, thinking about someday in the future, because Jesus said to pray, as it is in heaven, here it is on earth. There's gonna come a day where there will be no wars. There will be, come a day where there will be no more genocide. There is coming a day where no child will be bullied. There is coming a day where there will not be suicide anymore. There will not be murder. There's coming a day where law enforcement And citizens will not have conflict because Jesus is redeeming the world. He's bringing his peace. He's bringing his truth. He's bringing his standard to the world. And as it is in heaven, let it be here on earth. And so when my heart aches for the things mentioned today and no doubt about the things we will face in the future, I don't have to be troubled in light of what God is doing and what he will do. We say, God, let your kingdom come on earth and every time we work with a child every time we do something that causes people not to bully or to to uh, oppress the weak every time we bring peace to this earth every time we bring kindness we're bringing his kingdom to earth we're participating with him we're having a foretaste of heaven we're getting a taste of what's going to happen when the presence of god eradicates all the evil among us and that is a reason to believe, and that's a reason to be thankful. I want us to pray together as we prepare for the Lord's table this day. I want to give you instructions before I pray about the Lord's table. After I pray, you'll be given bread, and you'll be given a cup. And I ask that you hold that so we can take that together. If for some reason you don't want to take communion today, you don't have to. You do not have to be a member of our church to take communion. But you you must believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the way of salvation. There may be those here today who don't want to take communion. They're good Christians. You have your reasons. You will not be judged for that. You will not be demeaned for that. If you want communion to pass, you can do that. But together, the entire church, we're going to affirm the gospel message. And we're going to affirm Jesus before we take communion. We're going to repent of sin and acknowledge Jesus. We'll all have that opportunity before we take of the symbolic Lord's table. So, Father, we dedicate this time to you as, as our singers minister to us, God. We pray that if there's any sin in our life we need to repent of, that, Lord, we will repent. And, God, that you would turn our hearts to you, God, you turn our hearts to your gospel message, to your resurrection. Christ, be the glory for what you've done for us. We dedicate this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Hold the bread in the cup when you receive, and I'll be back momentarily. moment.